The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. Well, if you've noticed when I opened in prayer, I had a blue shirt, and now I have a white shirt. And, um, you know, I forgot uh, about this, but it's something that I guess I'll be the first one uh, this year for uh, Yom Kippur, but let it be known that next year when we have Yom Kippur, and by the way, I think this is the biggest Yom Kippur service we've ever had. So thank you for coming tonight. But uh, I'm going to invite you uh, next year, so get ready, I'm inviting you to next year's Yom Kippur service, should the Lord tarry, no guarantees. But the idea is that uh, God's people, the chosen people, uh, the Jewish people, and even within our, our messianic Jewish family of brothers and sisters, when they celebrate Yom Kippur, they, everybody comes to the service and everybody wears white. All of the ladies wear beautiful white uh, wedding-like dresses and the men come with starched white shirts. Why? Because it's Yom Kippur and it's on that day that the blood of the sacrifice washes away all of our sins and we're as pure and white as snow, and white as wool. So you have a year to get a new white dress, a great white shirt, and we're all gonna be in white next year. Hallelujah. But you know, man, we're, we are living in such amazing days. Um, I have a, oh, so let me just give you a couple of quick things. There is no Wednesday night service this week because we wanted to focus on tonight. Thank you for coming and being here. Um, and in light of that, we are going to have a service a week from this Wednesday night. And I want all of you to be here and join me and the worship team because that Wednesday night uh, will be a night of pure worship of the Lord God Almighty. It's gonna be a night of worship. And, a Wednesday night baptism. We're going to baptize people. So if you've given your life to the Lord and you have never been baptized, you know, we're not saved by baptism. We're saved by grace through faith. But when, the Bible does say that when you believe, when you repent and you believe and you receive Christ in your life, no one can see inside of your heart. So how do you let the family know, let alone the world know, I'm with Jesus? And that is you let everybody see your heart by getting baptized. Going down in the water, you are saying, I believe that Jesus died and was buried, and as you come up out of the water, a brand new person, you're saying, and I believe Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. It's beautiful and powerful. So we look forward to that a week from Wednesday. Now, the, the other thing I wanna mention is this coming uh, weekend. I mean, this is, God is doing something new. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? I mean, seriously, literally the last couple of weeks, and uh, starting with our Feast of Trumpets, and then tonight, this coming weekend, uh, Saturday night, both Sunday morning services were not gonna be in the Book of Acts because it is the third and final uh, feast of the fall called the Feast of Tabernacles. And Tabernacles is where there, originally it was a tent. You know, before the temple made of stone, 
with Moses, there was a tabernacle, a tent, like we, we are in a, we're on Solomon's porch in a tent. We have our own tabernacle. And the idea of tabernacles is that God, who is in heaven, wanted to be down on the ground, in the earth, in his tabernacle with his kids, like a dad. He wanted a tabernacle among us. I don't know if you knew this, but Jesus was probably born on the Feast of Tabernacles. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and tabernacled among us, dwelt among us, but literally, the Greek comes from the Hebrew idea, he tabernacled among us, which is beautiful. So that's going to be this coming weekend. And also, uh, it's a communion. We're having communion tonight for Yom Kippur. We'll have also a communion service the beginning uh, of the month of October. And there's going to be a release afterwards. We're going to pray for people. God's going to heal people. And then we have, uh, you know, people, that, a special team. We're going to be praying for people to get filled with the Spirit, baptized in the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, deliverance from all that kind of stuff. God's taking us to a whole new level of the supernatural this coming weekend. So come and bring your family and friends. So with all of that, um, bow your heads and let's pray. And I want to give a brief study about... Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you for tonight. And Lord, I don't know all what it is, but I feel, I feel different. I feel, um, I don't know, something fresh, something beautiful, something pure, something uh, of your spirit. And you are the one that took us uh, from, you know, being in, in the sanctuary and, and you've brought us out. Uh, and I believe that there is, there is something that you're trying to say to us by bringing us outside and under the open, literally. Tonight we're in the, under the open heavens. It is not hard for us to lift our eyes and to see or imagine the angels and our Father and the Son seated at his right hand. And Lord, we just thank you for how precious this is. And I thank you for how many that are responding and coming and want to be here, want to be part of it. And I pray that it would ignite a fire and a flame that would burn. Lord, we pray for revival. We prayed all week, all weekend long for the return, repentance. And we're crying out to you and calling upon your name. And we are, we are with joyful hearts expecting, not only exercising faith and not only praying, but we are expecting you're going to deliver and hear our prayer and answer our prayer, exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask, hope, think, dream, or even imagine. So now may you minister to our hearts tonight in this study, which I know must touch your heart, Father, because you're the one that offered and gave your son as the lamb. Jesus, it must touch your heart. You're the lamb. And we love you and praise you, and may we be prepared for a very personal as well as communal uh, time before you of eating the bread and drinking the cup of the new covenant we have with you. We commit all these things in your hands in Jesus' wonderful, mighty name. And everyone said, amen. amen. I, I've got to show you a headline that's going to come up behind me, but there is a, another article. You remember I told you a couple of weeks ago, uh, I did a study on the Abrahamic Accord. 
And I also declared to you that something different is happening right now in the Middle East. I told you that what this, this is, I believe, the beginning, the commencement, and the beginning of the Daniel 9:27 peace covenant that will come in the last days. And I believe that it has started, and I believe that it has begun. Started with UAE and then Bahrain. And so, this, so what is this all about? Here is an article, and again, I'm not getting this from prophecy sites and what Christians think or trying to you know, put the pieces of the headlines together with the Bible. This is literally coming from the secular uh, news media. This is called the Times of Israel, and they've got a headline. And here's the headline. So this is from the world. This is what they're saying to us. All eyes might be on the Temple Mount after the UAE-Israel deal. They're talking about the Temple Mount, all eyes being on the Temple Mount. Now, what's in there? We don't have time to go into it and to read it, but I'm going to tell you what. Here, let me read to you the, just the first opening paragraph. I am going to read it. All right, here we go. You ready? This is the first paragraph from the Times of Israel. By the way, if you don't have that, you should get that so you can follow what they're talking about. It says, when he dedicated the temple, it's talking about uh, Solomon. When he dedicated the temple he built on Mount Moriah, King Solomon prayed that God's house would be a center of prayer for all the peoples of the whole world. Now, in the wake of the recent Abraham Accords, the normalization agreement entered into by Israel, the United Arab Emirates, and Bahrain, the possibility exists that Solomon's aspiration could now be recreated. And the article goes on to talk about these, they believe, are the headlines of tomorrow that we will see Muslims as well as Jews as well as Christians standing shoulder to shoulder on the Temple Mount and praying. I mean, this is, I mean, it's, it's, this is in the Bible. It's in the Bible, and they're talking about the Bible in the headlines of the news around the world. So, man, wake up. You can't go to, now is not the time to go to sleep. Now's the time to be awake. Um, okay, so, I don't know, I mean, I'm looking out there, and I've got these lights, but it's, it's kind of dark. Can you guys see it all? Can you read your Bibles? You can. Okay, good. So open them to Exodus chapter 34. I'm just going to read uh, verses 29 through 35. Exodus chapter 34, beginning in verse 29. It says, Now it was so, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand when he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. So when Aaron, the high priest, and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin on his face shone, 
and they were afraid to come near him. He was reflecting the light off his face, like the moon has no light of its own. The moon, you know, that we can see tonight, the light that you see on the moon is the sun shining on the moon. Moses' face was reflecting the light of the Shekinah glory of God, and people were afraid of him. And then we read in verse 31 that Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the children of Israel came near, and he gave them as commandments all that the Lord had spoken with him on the top of Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take off the veil until he came out, and he would come out and speak to the children of Israel whatever he had been commanded. Would that be wild? Here's this guy's face lit up like the moon, but shining the reflection of the glory of God. He would talk a while, and then he would go back in and talk to God some more, and he would come out brighter. <laughs> and he would say this. And they would say, what did God say? And he'd say, God said this. Can you imagine hearing? He was talking. A man is talking directly with God. And, the, you know, the face shining was the evidence and proof. And then verse 30. Five, and whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining, then Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him. So this is, what we're, this is the background of everything we're talking about. We want to go back to the original day of Yom Kippur. So I want to begin with this. I've just got four simple little points. Number one, Yom Kippur is the holiest day of the biblical year that is today. So everybody say, that's the Hebrew word, is uh, Yom Kippur. Everybody say Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur. In English, it's the Day of Atonement. So say the Day of Atonement. This is the sixth of seven feasts. Uh, and so, you know, he was crucified on the Feast of Passover, buried on the Feast of Unleavened Bread, rose from the dead on the Feast of First Fruits the third day. There's three feasts in a row. And then 50 days later, on the Feast of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell. And they're all four in the spring, and they all speak of the first coming of the Messiah. And then they end it. So then there is the summer. It's called the summer harvest. There are no feasts during the summer. Why? Because everybody's working. Everybody on a farm, back in an agricultural situation, everybody, even the little kids, everybody had a role to play, get the whole harvest in, because once the harvest comes in and then we go sell it in market, we got to live off that for the you know, remainder of the year, going into the fall. So how do you know when the harvest is done? How do you know when all the harvest has to finally come in? What's the last day? The Feast of Trumpets. When they blew the trumpets, you were to stop harvesting and you were to come in to the temple and begin worshiping the Lord. So we just did that. That was the Feast of Trumpets. And I believe that will be fulfilled by the return of the Lord Jesus Christ for the rapture of his bride. Can I hear an amen on that? But then 10 days later is Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement. Now, the word Kippur is really Kippurim. It's plural. Uh, which means it's a day like Purim. Do you, you, does that sound familiar? Purim, the book of Esther, 
So it literally is a day of deliverance and it's a day of salvation. So number two, this was the only day when the high priest could enter the Holy of Holies. So let's say that this is kind of like, it's like a tabernacle, kind of like in the Old Testament. And so then you have the outer court, let's say it's beyond the tent area out in the parking lot, and then you have the inner court, and then you have the place where only the priest could come, and then you have all the way in the inside, let's say that is represented by the stage up here, there would be this huge veil up here, uh, and the, the veil was to block even the priests from entering into the Holy of Holies. So if this is the Holy of Holies, Right here would be the Ark of the Covenant, inside of which are the Ten Commandments. There would be a lid on this little box, and that, was, that lid was called the mercy seat. And on top, on either side of the mercy seat, were these two angels made of gold that were symbolic of the cherubim around the presence of God. And the Lord sits on his throne, and the seat where God Almighty sits is called the mercy seat. How many can say amen, hallelujah? It's not called the judgment seat. It's called the mercy seat. But all of the Levites and all of the priests, none of them were able to come in beyond the veil to the Holy of Holies. Only one priest, only the high priest, only one day a year today. One day a year, he would be able to, they would pull back the curtain, he would come in and sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat of the Holy of Holies. So here's what's interesting is that the, the, according to the you know, Jewish traditions that come out of the story of Moses and Exodus, how it happened was that on the day of Rosh Hashanah, that's the day that in heaven, the, the courts of heaven are open. You go before the Supreme Court of Heaven to be judged. And, you know, you have to look at your deeds. And so there are two books. And Moses mentions the book. He said, blot my name out of the book. So it wasn't made up by the Jewish people. It literally comes from the Bible. Moses referred to the book. And blot my name out of the book. So there's a book where there are names. And there apparently is a book where names are written. Now, this is according to the Jewish tradition that if you are righteous, your name is written into a book called life. But as believers, we think, oh, wow, we have eternal life in Jesus, which is true. But in the Jewish culture, they said, yeah, but there's also on earth, you can't just assume anything. You've got to be righteous every day of every week of every month of every year. So you better, you know, find out, is there any areas where you're not perfect? Well, everybody would say, well, I know that I'm not perfect. Well, then you better repent. <laughs> because if your name is written in the book of life and you're found worthy or righteous, it means you get to live one more year. The book of life. And then it'll be re-evaluated. Or it might be that you're hard-hearted. So... If you're hard-hearted, your, your name is not written there, and so you're in another book called the Book of Death, meaning sometime this next year, you're going to be taken out. The separation of the wheat from the chaff, the righteous from the wicked, or whatever. So when they knew the books are being opened, uh, and, and this is also very interesting because we just had a Supreme Court justice, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Jewish, and, and so apparently she died closer around the day of Rosh Hashanah. 
So for our nation, this is very interesting that we had a Supreme Court justice who was over the Supreme, one of the judges of the Supreme Court here, and she went on the day in heaven where the books of heaven are opened, which is a very awesome thing to think about. So here's what they said. You have, from Rosh Hashanah, from Feast of Trumpets, you have 10 days before Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, it's done and it's too late. So they said, you have 10 days to repent. And the idea was that if you were spiritual, you had a tender heart, you would look and search for something that you were not holy in or not righteous in and were convicted of. And if you were really spiritual and humble, you would be repenting for 10 days. But if you were hard-hearted, nah, everything's fine between me and God, and you cruised along, you were taking a chance with that next year. So there were 10 days, and those 10 days are called the 10 days of awe. Awesome days. How many of you tonight are very thankful for the blood of the Lamb of the Lord Jesus Christ? And truly, if our names are written in the Lamb's book of life, it is for eternity. But on another level, I think it's probably healthy for us not to just assume or take for granted our salvation, but to at least examine our lives. Search me, O God, David said, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. And we're supposed to do that, examine ourselves every time we take communion, which we're going to do in just a moment, all right? So here's the deal. Moses went up to the mountain the first time, and he spent 40 days up there. God gave him the Ten Commandments. Can you imagine God, you know, literally the finger of God, he has these 10 commandments and he comes down from the mountain where he's been with God, seen God, heard God, thunder and lightning and the cloud and the glory and the voice and the trumpet. And then Moses came down and what did he find? What were the children of Israel doing the first time Moses came down? A golden calf. That was the God of Egypt. I mean, they had the 10 plagues. They had Passover night. They had bread from heaven, they had water coming out of a rock, and, and they go back to the gods of Egypt. And you know who made it was Aaron. And Moses says, what were you thinking? And he goes, I don't know what happened. They gave me all their gold, I threw it into the fire, and this calf came out. Lame. <laughs> Lame. Moses got angry, and what did he do? He threw the Ten Commandments down, and they broke into little pieces. And then little Moses had to hike back up the mountain. And guess what? He spent an additional 40 days up on the mountain. And while Moses was there on the mountain, we find something very interesting. It says in verse, uh, chapter 34, beginning in verse 5, Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, Merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. This is called, the, in that glorious description, the 13 attributes of the mercy of God. Did you know that there were 13 attributes? of the mercy of God, and they're found right there. Chapter 34 of Exodus, verses six and seven. Go through it, name them, number them. 
But that's when Moses, the second 40 days, when he came down and his face was shining from the reflection of the Shekinah glory of God, that was the first Day of Atonement, the first Yom Kippur. And guess what then Yom Kippur becomes a picture of? The second coming of Jesus Christ. Moses is a type when Jesus' face, his is shining. And Isaiah says his face will be shining seven times the brightness of the sun. I want you to think of the sun at noonday, double it, triple it, quadruple it, seven times. And you know what? When you go up that many times, guess what happens to the sun? The sun that'll burn your eye if you stare at it. When it's seven times brighter, you can no longer see the sun. That's how bright it will be. That during the middle of the day, you can't see the sun. So we, during the day, see the sun, but we can't see the stars. They're there, but our sun is so bright, it blinds us to them. And that's what the second coming of Jesus Christ will be. So now, the meaning of atonement. We're going to wrap this up in just a moment. The Day of Atonement comes from the Hebrew word kippur, which means ransom. Say ransom. You have been ransomed. And the word is parallel to the word redeemed. Say, I am redeemed. I am ransomed. What does it mean that we're ransomed and redeemed? The lifeblood of the sacrificial animal was required in exchange for the lifeblood of the worshiper. And literally what you had to do, the symbolism is that you, they would lay their hands on the animal that was to be their substitute and they confessed their sins and their sins were thus committed from them to the animal who was then taken and slaughtered and slain and whose blood was shed while the worshiper was ransomed or redeemed. It was that personal that you put the hands there upon the animal. And that's what has happened to you and I. That's why it says, look unto me and be ye saved, all ye ends of the earth. For there is no other God except the Lord God and his son Jesus. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved in the name of Jesus. The word sacrifice then means to draw near, draw close or to come near. They would first of all sacrifice a bull and then they would sprinkle its blood on the mercy seat and inside the Holy of Holies to cleanse from the priests who had been ministering in and around the holy place. Then they would take two goats. One would be sacrificed and its blood would be shed and a second one they would lay hands upon it, confess the sins of the nation and they would lead that goat out into the east wilderness until that goat. And so the sins of the whole nation were transferred to the second Goat, which was called the scapegoat. Have you ever heard that expression? Now you know what the scapegoat is. The sins of an entire nation land on little scapegoat. And they lead him out into the wilderness, and there's a rabbi that they have, you know, stationed all the way back from the wilderness all the way back to the eastern gate. And when the rabbi that's the furthest out says, I cannot see the goat that we, you know, gave all of our sins and confessed them to, he's disappeared. He would wave and give a signal and the other guy would wave and they would go all the way back and finally to the temple and then they would tell the whole nation, they would say, the goat which we cast our sins upon has disappeared, meaning our sins have disappeared from the eyes of God Almighty. And the people would shout and they would rejoice and they would give God all of the glory. Amen? Amen. 
So I say to you tonight, the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ has taken away all of your sins. And you are redeemed and you are ransomed and you are set free tonight. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Maranatha Chapel. If you haven't already, please subscribe for weekly messages. Feel free to share this podcast and join us for our weekend services held Saturday evening or Sunday morning. Visit our website at www.maranathachapel.org for more information.